0: We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity, a podcast celebrating generosity at work. Not financial giving, giving valuable time, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. A longtime advocate for advancing women and people of color, Kathy has over 35 years of experience being the only woman in the room. She developed and launched Power of 200, a leadership development program at Comcast, aimed at getting women the right exposure in the company through their business savvy and decision-making, not their gender. Now, a senior advisor for the global professional services firm, Boston Consulting Group, Kathy is active in women at BCG, and in coaching and mentoring consulting staff in diversity and inclusion issues. Kathy also provides consulting to her son's first business venture, a fast, casual Greek restaurant. Definitely the hardest job of all. She loves to cook, bake, travel, and spend time with her grandchildren. Welcome, Kathy.
1: Thank you, Shannon. It's great to be with you today.
0: Ah, oh, it's great to be with you too, a leader and friend that I've admired and appreciated for so many years. You embody this topic of generosity at work, so I'm I'm grateful that you're willing to share some of your insider info with us today, Kathy. What do you think it means to be generous at work? Like, how would you even describe that in your own words and experience?
1: I think there are so many different ways in which you can. Be generous at work. And, you know, some of the things that I've learned along the way is that it is really important uh, to let others shine and to let others take the credit for work that has been combined as part of a team and to involve a team. Uh, Because then, you know, even though you may be the leader of the team, and at the end of the day, you're the one that has to make the decision, but it enables getting a number of different perspectives. And then everyone around you also takes ownership for the greater good of the team and the greater good of the project or the company or yeah. whatever, um, because then it's not just, you know, you don't have anyone saying, well, that's not my job.
0: So is that something that you just always knew intuitively? Is that just part of like your moral fiber or your core values, or is this something you learned?
1: Part of it may have to do with the fact of how I grew up and, you know, growing up as an only child, you really needed to have people around you that you kind of did things in a group environment. Otherwise, you were pretty much on your own. And it was always better when there was a, uh, you know, a group environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, some of the lessons that I learned, you know, was in in the manufacturing company that I worked for and the president of the company would tell me, You know, it's always better to hire people smarter than you. You learn from them. They learn from you. And together, you make each other better. And and that has always stuck with me throughout that career, throughout uh, Comcast, and even now, you know, at BCG, when I have an opportunity to, you know, to share that with with the consulting team.
0: Yes, that, that collective strength that you make each other better could you provide us with some examples of where you were very intentional about how you were supporting someone?
1: But, you know, one of them was early on when I was part of the finance team and I had a really, really smart, young uh, woman of Nigerian background. And she would always, you know, bring the reports to me and have me send them out to the broader management team. And one day we sat down and I said, well, why don't you put out the report under your name? Why are you giving it to me? I didn't do the work. You did the work. And she looked at me and she said, well, what what if I made a mistake? And I said, well, you won't make that mistake again, because if it's under your name and somebody catches that you made a mistake, you're going to correct it. And so from that point, it was just interesting to see how she evolved into gaining more confidence. And sometimes young professionals, it's really what they need. They just need someone to take a chance, to give them a little, that you know, that confidence boost um, so that they can shine in their own way. And I loved working with her. You know, my family met her. It was great for me because it showed how you can really help someone Uh, you know, kind of sort of almost take flight for the first time.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's a beautiful story. So one way that you're talking about here is to give people opportunities, give them exposure, uh, connect them into circles where they otherwise were not included. What are other ways that you have invested in people in a generous way?
1: part of the work that we had done uh, when I was the CFO at Comcast, we had, you know, we wanted to really simplify a lot of things and how they were being done in the back office. And, you know, so we, you know, sat down with a group of the team and, you know, I said, well, me being very old school, how about if you just did sort of a process chart and we just laid out all the steps that customers have to go through in order to be able to, to do business with the company. And they said, okay, you know, you could see the, you know, see the wheels spinning in their heads. And, you know, it came back a couple of weeks later and they said, well, we have something to show you. And I said, okay. And so we went downstairs and they, they you know, it was silly, but they, they actually made me close my eyes because before I walked into this conference room, they had done exactly what I had asked them. They had put together a process chart, which, Lined three of the four walls of the conference room. And so that became the wallpaper project. And I said, Well, now what do we do about it? It's great that we put it all down on paper. What do we do about it? And the team worked together. You know, we put different team members from different functional groups together. And, you know, one day they called me in and they said, Well, you know what? Someone else from another cable company is interested in this. And I said, Time out. I said, We need to talk to. Lawyer, before we start sharing, which is great that we want to share, uh, if this is something that can benefit the company from a patent perspective, then we should go through that. Three of the the lead sort of developers, you know, put down the entire paperwork, worked with the lawyers, and then they came to me and they said, "Well, you know, um, here's here's a patent application. We're going to put it under your name," and I said, "Why are you putting it under my name? I didn't do the work. You guys." Did all the work? I said you're not putting my name on it unless we have all four names. Uh, you could see the pride that they were going to be listed. Um, you know, this just this past July, you know, the U.S. Patent Office actually um, issued the patent. You know, if you give people an opportunity to shine, they more often than not will will in fact shine, mm-hmm. and probably brighter than you ever thought that they would.
0: I love that story so much. And I do remember the wallpaper project and congratulations on the patent. I think that's such a beautiful end to that segment of that story. So like, what would you say was the impetus for the desire to share more broadly?
1: The impetus to to, to seek patent was really to reward the people that worked on an innovative idea mm. that is not typical when you think of something that is patent worthy i mean typically you're looking at a product you're not looking at a process as being something that can be patent worthy the, the other thing that was just so surprising about that is the way in which um, it provided an opportunity for so many people in the company to get on board because you know we would do these little roadshows you could just see the, you know, the lights going on and and people wanting to be a part of, of something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was just so inspiring to me that, in you know, in the end result, it's how to make life easier and how to make work easier. And you had the lawyers and you had the, you know, the the customer service team and you had even the you know the product folks you had IT you had finance everybody was kind of coming at it from their angle and that's you know what gave us the idea to say well you know what this is broader than we thought it could be mm-hmm. in, in the beginning
0: yeah i've had a couple of really profound personal experiences with you in the corporate environment. One of them is when you invited me to be an executive coach for one of your direct reports. Mm -hmm. And in order to kick off a coaching engagement, we typically have a meeting with what I call the coaching team. So it's the individual being coached, their manager, sometimes their HR business partner and me. In those meetings that I've experienced with you, Kathy, you are extremely clear about what the individual's strengths are, in a way that they know how to embellish them, invest in them, and you're helpful in clarifying what the opportunities are. So I've seen it firsthand that you are an effective feedback communicator. So could you help us to know what what your beliefs are around feedback, what kind of mindset or even tactics you use to be effective in giving feedback?
1: Well, I've always been uh, a proponent of feedback is only relevant when it is as much as possible hot off the presses, because when you give feedback as part of a performance review six months later, a year later, it sort of gets lost in translation a little bit. There's so many other things, and, and any individual incident may not be important. The higher up you get in an organization you don't get feedback and that's a sad thing and i don't know if it's because people don't have the time to invest in giving feedback to people or you know it's sort of hey if you're if you're continuing in the role then you must be doing something right and so therefore do more of whatever it is that you're doing
0: mm-hmm. but it
1: doesn't help you as an individual understand you know what you could Work on that could make you maybe more of an effective leader. Mm-hmm. So one example of some—it was difficult for me to give feedback—was to a young woman who was uh, an executive who came in and and wanted to apply and interview for a VP role, and she was not a VP, and it was going to be broader exposure. It was broader assignment. And then, you know, I don't know how it came out of my mouth. It probably did not come out this bluntly. And I said, well, how are you going to show up for this interview? And she said, kind of like how I am today. And I said, well, maybe you need to rethink that. I said, there's a weekend look, and then there's a work week look. And you don't want to show up to an interview with a weekend look. And she she looked at me and she said, hmm, you know, I don't think anyone's ever said that to me. And I said, this is a a unique opportunity to present yourself to someone that maybe doesn't know everything about you and what makes you, you. Mm -hmm. So just give that some thought. So she comes back a couple, you know, a week later after the interview, her hair is in like a nice bun and she's got like whatever. And I, and I looked at her and I said, wow, I said, how did the interview go? She said, I think I got the job. I said, thank you for that feedback. She said, no one's ever given me that type of feedback before. Wow. And, and you know, you have to have, as the person giving the feedback, you have to have the courage mm-hmm. to give the feedback. Uh, you have to give the feedback in a way that is not derogatory because I don't, you don't mean it to be derogatory. Mm-hmm. You want it, you want it to be helpful to the person Mm -hmm. um and so i i just think that that is so important because if i had given her that feedback six months later how would that have made a difference and it probably wouldn't have helped her in the present moment that she needed it
0: when we come back kathy will share about the differences between sponsors and mentors giving others the benefit of the doubt gives them courage and confidence necessary to work harder. If you had more time in your day, what would you do with it? Listening to podcasts might not be the first thing you think of. Maybe that's because you're thinking podcasts take too much time to listen to. But what if there were podcasts designed with your time in mind? Podcasts that spoke to you, podcasts that you could listen to in short segments, We've put together podcasts exactly like that. The Quad Pod Network is coming soon. Check out QODPOD.com for more details. And we're back with more from Kathy of You have a legacy, Kathy, of investing in people and investing in diverse teams. And so people will say things like, I want to create teams like Kathy did. So they would bring up examples of things like how you would pull out your binders. And I have had a chance to witness that a couple of times. You pull out your binders, you've got all these different individuals in there. And you're like, you know, why doesn't this person have diversity on their team? Or why is this team so one way or another way? Like what drives you to seek such diverse teams?
1: You know, it's everybody comes to a team with their perspective, and you need that perspective. Otherwise, you make decisions that are very one-sided. You know, I didn't have the opportunity to learn and to respond to women that were ahead of me because there weren't. And so I looked around and I, you know, at the time when I was the only woman in the room, And I'm like, well, I don't like how this looks. You know, if you don't like how something looks, then you do something about it. The one person that actually had done that for me uh, was Steve Burke. And, you know, before he went to NBC, uh, you know, he was the president of the cable division And it was a time during which there were a lot of acquisitions, a lot of consolidation in the operating structure, and I was in a role, you know, in operations. The new broadband team was being put together. He didn't say it directly to me, so I I heard it secondhand, but apparently he said, well, what the hell is Kathy doing like over there? Bring her over here. She's the right person to put here. Mm-hmm. You only know that and you only do that if you make the conscious effort to go beyond just doing a talent management exercise for the purpose of documenting that you did it mm-hmm. um, and then actually meeting people. So, we, you know, we would put together these skip level meet and greets back in the day, and we would invite managers to meet with vice presidents mm-hmm. and I mean, some of them may have been quaking in their boots because they're like, okay, I don't know. This has never happened before. Why am I meeting with VPs? Okay. But it was, you could see that they were happy to have an opportunity to connect with someone. Mm -hmm. And I got to meet people that I had seen their name on an email or on a report or somewhere. And you get to meet someone and really, you know, see them as a, you know, as an individual
0: Oh my gosh. That's so important for us to hear you say that because you have those skip level meetings, you invest in these individuals, you learn about them. They can learn about you. They can even see you as an example of where they might want to be someday. So there's that, you know, if you can see it, you can be it. Mm -hmm. And that takes time, but it's also that succession planning of, you know, your pipeline for the future and identifying opportunities for people so it's i think more than just the right thing to do it's it's there's it's so, there's so much reward in there so something embedded in what you're saying there is it's about investing in people and being a sponsor for people so you know the difference between mentoring and sponsoring mentoring is when you share some of your life experience with others to help them navigate their own path sponsorship is when you fly the flag for someone else. Can you help us unpack that a little in terms of what's on the line when you sponsor someone?
1: I mean, I, I do believe that sponsorship is very important, especially maybe more so for women and, and people of color. Um, and it it takes someone that has number one, the confidence in their own standing yeah. to say, I will take a risk because sponsorship has a risk element on both for both parties. It's a little bit more coaching. It's sort of providing some advice and giving some tips, but then the person can choose to actually, you know, go and do and continue however they want to, or they can take some of your advice. Sponsoring someone means you're actually, you know, taking them by the hand, sometimes kicking and screaming and saying, you're going to do the following thing. And, you know, you and I both know, we, um, I did have, you know, one person that I sponsored who came into the company with a very unique set of skills that was important at the time that that person came into the company. Uh, but then over a period of time, you know, when we would sit down and, and talk about their potential future We talked about, well, you know, your your unique set of skills, unless you broaden them, will lead you to a role in a very narrow, defined set of opportunities. Uh And if you like that, great. That's what we go for. You don't like that and you want other opportunities, then we're going to have to broaden your set of skills. Yeah. And you know, it was a woman, and she said, "Yes, I, you know, I do want to broaden my set of skills because I don't really want to be pigeonholed with, you know, in this particular area." Mm-hmm. I gave her projects that she had absolutely no experience doing. She launched product. She um, she worked and oversaw a tech support team. You know, and had to deal with. You know, hourly employees, and who showed up for work, and who didn't show up for work, Uh, and all of the you know incumbent issues with being you know a manager. Mm -hmm. But what they what that brought was, and I I know I was probably tougher on her than maybe I was with other direct reports because I knew that she could do it, Mm -hmm. and I really wanted her to move. you know beyond and have others in the company sort of forget what the individual and unique skills were that that she came into the company with and see her for what she was able to do then yes that's being a sponsor but then if people forget that i had a finance background and only see for what i am able to do in the present moment
0: mm-hmm. that
1: is better because that makes you a more well-rounded mm-hmm. executive and so many more doors can open up for you
0: also in that sponsorship kathy you're investing some of your relational capital into that person you're putting your name on an individual because you're giving them the benefit of the doubt when they haven't really proven themselves or have a track record in that area
1: that's very true and you know that takes there's as i said you know there is risk to doing that um But typically if you, and it's not easy and people always ask me, well, how do you go about finding a sponsor? And I said, I don't, you don't go out seeking for a sponsor as the, the relationship develops and you, you end up understanding what that person and what their capabilities are. It's not something that you just kind of wake up one day and say, you know, oh, by the way, today I'm going to sponsor, you know, XYZ person. It doesn't, You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen either way. Interesting, funny story um, with my, my son who is in a corporate America and, you know, we would talk just, you know, on occasion about certain things. And he'd say, well, you know, I'll send that person an email. And I said, pick up the phone and call them. He says, but I can do it by email. I said, email is not personal." I said, when you speak to someone, you get a different sense of who that person is is.
0: So if you could give our listeners a couple of keys to success or words of wisdom that would enable us to be more generous at work, what would would some of those recommendations be?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, I think it's important uh, to give someone that you're working with the benefit of the doubt. You know, Sometimes we're so quick to come to snap judgments about whether someone is capable or not capable, or they have potential or they don't have potential. And there's, you know, there's a lot of things going on in people's lives. And so, you know, if someone falters one time, that's not the end. And I think giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, gives them the courage and encouragement to continue to, to work on something. But then, like we spoke in the past, though, that that's before, you know, that's also where feedback comes in, you know, and then mm-hmm. giving the feedback at the right time. And also, you know, flexibility, especially now, you know, with the pandemic, there's you, you know, individuals are trying to juggle work, life, kids, school, mm-hmm. progressing at work, making connections and their network and showing a little bit of flexibility um, is always so so important. And it was important for me. And that was flexibility for, you know, both men and women, because the work will get done. And if you show someone a little bit of flexibility, they will pay that back. I did want to to read, um, you know, these uh, these traits that I found, 13 Inspiring Traits of Exceptional Leaders, which I think is important for everyone to to kind of walk away. They trust you to do the job you've been hired to do. They seek your advice and input, find opportunities to let you shine, recognize your contributions, They have your back during tough times. I think that's probably even more so important to show that you're willing to stand behind someone that is maybe having a tough time. Um, challenge you to do bigger and better things. They express their appreciation and responsiveness, and they know when to apologize. You know, there's just a, a couple of them. Yeah. I think that shows so much in terms of the character of the executive when they can admit that they've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Nobody is perfect, and I'm far from far from perfect. But when you can admit to saying, okay, I hadn't thought about it that way, you're right, I was wrong, let's do it your way. It shows both in yourself that you're humble enough to say, okay, I'm, you know, just because I'm the manager doesn't mean that I'm always right. And it also shows to your employee and your team member, they see a more human side to you. Yes. And show that it is okay to acknowledge and and move on. And I think that mm-hmm. that is, you know, those are examples that I think can benefit everybody.
0: Those are outstanding. So you have a couple of favorite quotes. One, every time I see this quote, Kathy, I think of you. You, It is like, I don't know if it was written by Aristotle or Kathy of Jairus, but like, what is your go-to life motto and quote? It goes, um, we are what we repeatedly
1: do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And it's one of those things that I saw I, you know, 25, 30 years ago, I don't remember. And I read it and it just clicked with me. And I said, you know what? I, this is something I want to strive to do and strive to teach it to to my kids. And, mm-hmm. you know, at, uh, at the right moment, try to, you know, strive to teach it to my grandkids as well.
0: Yes, yes. So that it's that we are what we repeatedly do. And one of the things we're talking about doing today is being generous I think that it is a a component of your excellence. It's something that you have decided to find a way to make a difference, to find a way to open up the circle so that everybody can come in, to really challenge yourself, to look for other points of view and other backgrounds and insights, like different types of people to make the product better, to like make the experience better. And to always be willing to stand in that void for for the people that you believe in and that you know need you to be in that void. I think that's some of the ways in which you have done that repeated act of generosity and have built a habit out of it.
1: And once you build a habit, it becomes something that becomes almost second nature. It is just part of now who you are and how it defines who you
0: are. And the last quote we'll share before we close is one that came to mind more recently during this pandemic that I think is a great one for us to end on.
1: Be kind. Everyone is still healing from things they don't speak about. And that is so true. And just being kind to people, especially in this current environment that we are in. Uh, is so important because you really don't know what the other person's going through. You know, doesn't doesn't cost you anything to be kind.
0: Yes, excellent. Thank you, Kathy, for being who you are, for being a friend and for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you, I appreciate it. I loved all of Kathy's insights today. The one thing that really stood out for me is giving others the benefit of the doubt. Who is someone in your life you could lead instead of judge? When we're judging, we're not leading. St. Francis said, seek first to understand and then be understood. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast.
1: Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we
0: give.